The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's nothing normal about uh, about how I'm attacking this rehab. Um, there is common practices about six weeks in a boot. Uh, and I was in a shoe in like 13 days. Um, again, this is just my mindset. And uh, I believe in the power of intention. Uh, I believe in prayer. Um, I believe in uh, the way that you, uh, you know, your mental status and power of will. It's important to have those long-term goals. Uh, basically, whatever protocol is out there, and, and there's kind of a blanket, you know, six to 12 months uh, recovery time. Uh, I have some things working against me. I'm 39 years old. I'm the oldest player in the league. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, have a really hard time coming back from this. Um, however, uh, I haven't really paid any attention to any of that stuff. I just kind of have been making my own protocols and my own timetables. Aaron Rodgers on his rehab. Firm believer in medical science. Sometimes. Aaron Rodgers has a. Although I don't know how much science is involved in this rehab, there was something about the sounds of dolphins mating, and who the hell knows what he's doing, frankly, to get himself ready to go. Now, medical science was involved in the actual surgical procedure, but in the rehab, who knows? And whatever you want to do, do it. But he is writing a pretty big check here. And I understand believing in the power of manifestation and intention and speaking things into existence. I have no problem with positive thinking. But there is a fine line between confidence and delusion. And he does balance out his optimism with the fact that he is 39. And I don't know that it makes sense for him to come back and try to play this year. And I don't know that he's even going to have the opportunity. I mean, is he talking about regular season? Is he talking about if we make it to the playoffs? I mean, is this a guy who's going to try to pull some Willis Reed and come for the last four games of the season and help them get into the postseason? I don't know. I hope it happens. I hope he comes back and plays. I want him to play. It's more interesting when he plays. The NFL is more interesting with him in it. And 
I don't have anything personal against him. I like him now. We saw a little bit of the Black Bart version of Aaron Rodgers yesterday. We're going to get to some of that, but I still like him now. I understand him. I get him. Do whatever you have to do to come back. More power to you. We're rooting for you. We're sending positive thoughts in your direction, Aaron, so you can come back and play. We're going to participate in your overall effort to manifest this into being because I think football is far more interesting if Aaron Rodgers is on the field. We'll see. We'll see if he can come back. If he does and he comes back and plays, now Cam Akers pulled it off, far younger, and the injury happened in late July, not Mm mid-September. He came back late regular season and contributed to the Rams in the 2021 Super Bowl run. So we'll see. Do it. We, we're, we're supporting of Aaron Rodgers' efforts to come back and play. And uh, but but I do kind of like. Yeah, this is this is a tall order for him to pull off. I, Mike, by nature, I am I am a pragmatist and a realist, and this. As much as I, I, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm a, I'm a hater or whatever you want to call me, but like, I just, I don't necessarily see it happening. And that's just because of every bit of evidence that we have from what an Achilles rehab has ever been. And so like, I, for me as a realist, I don't quite get it, but you know what? It's not that I'm trying to say he can't. I mean, maybe he can. I don't know. Modern medicine is a marvel. It really is. And I think that, you know, when Cam Akers came back, a couple of years ago, it was like, I've never seen anything like this. So who knows? Maybe we will see something we've never seen before. However, I I, I find it hard to believe that it can happen. I, I just do. And I guess if that makes me a hater, then it makes me a hater. And maybe I'm going to motivate him to come back. So, and that would be good for everybody because I want to see Aaron Rodgers on the field too. But it, it's it's a very, very tall order for him to potentially come back this year, whether that is in December, whether that's in January or any, any other time. It, it just, just based on what we know about what Achilles injury rehab is. He rejoined the team over the weekend, specifically on Saturday, showed up at their meeting on Saturday night. Alan Lazard, as I said earlier, said he came in like Batman. He told the players, stop pointing fingers. And his message was along those same lines. We have to band together. All the cliches that often don't work, but sometimes depending upon who's delivering them can be very effective. And I think they needed to hear that from Aaron Rodgers. I said that in the aftermath of the week three loss to the Patriots when Mm -hmm. everybody was dumping on Zach Wilson and they were pointing fingers. Aaron Rodgers can help stabilize this. Aaron Rodgers needs to be there with those guys, and he made it, and it was great, and we heard different details about it. There was reporting on Sunday morning about what he said. Different players spoke about it publicly. For some reason, Aaron Rodgers has a problem with that. Here he is from Pat McAfee's show yesterday on his message to the Jets getting out to the public. I will say this. You know, when it comes to, you know, uh, some of the stuff I talked about, uh, I think that was one of the more disappointing things about the entire weekend is that, you know, part of the process of, of uh, being a team that's connected and being a team that sticks together is that there's some things that are meant for the locker room and conversations that it should stay in the media room, should stay in the locker room, should stay in the hotel. And I'm not, you know, I, I obviously uh, I, I love the opportunity to speak to the team and I thought the message was important and it was off the cuff and I hadn't, didn't have notes or anything and actually didn't even know Salah just wanted me to speak. That was the whole part. The whole meeting was me up there, you know, kind of rambling. Hot for 15? About 10 minutes hot, fi- uh, hot 15? Hot 10? 10? All right. Yeah. 
But but I think that's part of it. We need to learn as an organization to, to some things need to be kept in house. Some things need to be we got to tighten the tighten the ship up a little bit. Yeah. How about that message itself? Like, yeah. Wouldn't that be a message better delivered to the locker room than to the world? This is one of the problems with him doing this every Tuesday. Now we have something to talk about. Aaron Rodgers is pissed off because the people who heard the message of stop pointing fingers dared to say something about it. So now they're going to be like all tiptoeing on eggshells. This is, see, this, they're going to make me say it again. This is Uh-oh. the delicate genius vibe. You got to tiptoe around the delicate genius. You never know what's going to piss him off. This is a prime example of it, Aaron, if you're watching this morning, because I know, you know, what else are you doing? You're, well, I know you're attacking rehab, but you probably have time to multitask. You can't say things like that when people are in awe of you. Well, the, it, it, the show is available, you know, <laughs> whenever you would like to watch it. And, and I've heard him say enough things over the years to make me think that every once in a while he might hate watch the program. But when you say something like that for the world, or even if you make that message private, it scares people. These guys are in awe of Aaron Rodgers. The reason that the message worked is because they look up to him. So now they're going to be all discombobulated. Anytime Aaron Rodgers says anything, like they're all going to be scared of their own shadow now because Aaron Rodgers is upset. I take issue with the fact that he's upset. Why? This isn't the kind of thing that needs to stay. Let's let the world know we're together. Let's let the world know that Aaron Rodgers wrote in and saved the day and contributed to this vibe that we have now harnessed. I think it disrupts it. Like, as the Jets are trying to regroup and refocus, now on top of everything else, they got to worry about the fact that their leader is upset that a few of the guys spoke out of turn. When, what was wrong with what they said? I just think it introduces an unnecessary wrinkle to all of this. He should be happy that, that his message worked. And there's nothing wrong with them saying it. It had already been reported what he said. Like, it was already out there. And it was funny. If you watch the Alan Lazard post-game press conference, he originally wasn't going to say anything. He knew he was touching on a third rail by talking about this. But when the reporters told him that others had talked about it, that's when he said he came in like Batman and this is what he said. But he said it only after he was sure that others had already said it. But even then, he probably shouldn't have said it. Even then, he probably got a text message from Aaron Rodgers saying, why would you do the Batman thing? <laughs> he might have. I mean, the thing is, though, these are things that Aaron Rodgers was talking about publicly already. I mean, I feel like he was basically yes. on Pat McAfee he said before, it last week. Yes. Yeah, saying like, hey, we need to stop point free. We need to come together and stop doing all of that. So it's not like he hadn't said that publicly and then he came in and he said it privately and whatever the message was, it resonated, it was received. And I think that it's not necessarily the fact that players had you know talked about it or whatnot, but just the fact that it got leaked out of whatever meeting that he was in, you know, and that happened in the first place. So I, I there's a part of me that understands the frustration that he has with that. Uh, like, yeah, if we have a team meeting, it needs to stay within the confines of the team. I, I do get that. But at the same time, yeah, like if the message was received, the message worked, it got them to come together and play better and play as a team. And so when Zach Wilson goes out and, you know, shows the maturity that he didn't show last year when he says, hey, man, that loss is on me. And everybody's like, dude, no, 
It's not on you. It's not one play. We all contributed to this. We went as a team and we lose as a team. That probably is the result of Aaron Rodgers coming in there, stabilizing things, telling everybody to calm down. You know, we got to relax a little bit and we have to stick together. I I think all of those things are positives. And when you say that, yeah, you know, when you talk about being disappointed, that introduces another element of things where it's like, uh oh, what did we do? I don't know that that's the best thing right. either, but hopefully right. they will be Dad's able to mad. stay connected. Dad's mad. Right. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're happy right is... now. We're positive. We're feeling good. Yeah. And Dad's mad. Why is Dad mad? Yes. Well, he's not angry. He's just disappointed. <laughs> Which is worse. I know. Wasn't it always worse to disappoint your parents and to have them mad at you? That was the worst uh... feeling in the world. I'm disappointed in you. That was a knife to the heart. When I heard one of my parents say, I'm disappointed in you, oh, my God. Because that's the last thing you want to do is disappoint your parents. Right. And so I I just – Aaron, I don't understand what you're trying to do. Do you want to be the exclusive spokesman for the team even when you're in California? Like no one else can say anything. It's only you. You're going to go on with Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk every Tuesday and say whatever you want to say, but nobody else can say anything? It's just – this is weird to me. And it's challenging my newfound – respect and admiration and just liking of Aaron Rodgers because I just think I think that that's a tone-deaf comment it worked he went into their meeting room said what he had to say and it worked you should be proud of that it's not something to be disappointed about that it got out it worked you stabilize the situation and they're pointed in the right direction. And now you're spouting off about being disappointed in them at a time when they need to be focused on getting their act together and, and beating the Broncos. And you're going to have guys and they're going to be talking about it today. Did you see what Aaron said yesterday? He's disappointed. Why is yeah. he disappointed? Well, I only said it because you said it. Why'd you say it? I didn't I wasn't going to say anything, but they told me you talked. Well, no, he talked. Well, he talked. They don't need that right now. Who's on first? And you, and you know, know that's going to happen. But you know that's going to happen. Because, yes, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers says something, in this, it, especially in that particular media market, that the players are going to be asked about it. It's all is going to be asked about it. And, and I, they're going to have to react to it. But that's only one thing. I, I do think that what he's saying about, hey, we got to take, we got to keep stuff in the family. I actually think that he's right. I, I do. Because that's when teams are really connected is when they do keep things in the family. Now, I think it probably would have been better for him to say that in the family and keep it in the family as opposed to saying it publicly so that now everybody gets to react to it, including us. But I I think that he has a point with that message. All right, I'm going to go rogue here. Courtney has taken away the last soundbite. I'm still going to talk about it because, and I've written an item about it at PFT. We're not going to talk about it for long, but Aaron Rodgers had to make that little snide Subtly derisive reference, Travis Kelsey is Mr. Pfizer. It was subtly because Kelsey's derisive. in the commercial advocating that people get both their COVID vaccine and their flu shot at the same time. And look, Aaron, if you don't want to believe in science, that's your business. But let's not attack people who choose to believe the earth is round. Please do whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Take whatever substance you want to take. Sit in whatever closet you want to sit in. Go listen to Dolphins Screwing, whatever it is that helps you be the best version of yourself. But don't get mad at other people who have different decisions for how they're going to handle their business and their life. And I really do wonder if the Swifties are going to put all this together. And I really do wonder if there is going to be some sort of a backlash 
from Travis Kelsey toward Aaron Rodgers. And I really hope that Taylor Swift is cooking up a song that refers to someone as Johnny Ivermectin. I really hope that's coming just because it's juicy. Not that I hold any specific bias against Aaron Rodgers for this. I just think it would be great if he doesn't get away with the Mr. Pfizer reference because now he may have poked a bear. You don't want to poke a bear. And he might have poked a couple of bears in Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Oh, the, the Swifties will come after you, man. Uh, they, they're they're tough, man. They're not they're not going to take anything lying down, especially if they think it's about the you know Miss Swift's new bow. So I, I'm interested to see what happens there on social media. All right, let's take a break. We'll have a draft of the biggest surprises through the first months of the season. And one of the surprises for me is that that's our draft. I guess I didn't notice that last night. I got some work to do during the break. More PFT Live right after this. Good news, Buffalo residents, and I guess folks throughout the state. I don't know how limited this may be, but Governor Kathy Hochul has directed the State Liquor Authority to extend the deadline for special permits so sports bars and restaurants can serve alcohol as early as 8 a.m. The Bills are playing at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, uh, early and often on Sunday morning, please drink responsibly. Please, uh, please drink responsibly and please walk home, take an Uber, do whatever. Don't get behind the wheel uh, after the Bills game and uh, go Bills as they go to London to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, today's draft. Biggest surprises for the first month of the 2023 regular season. Miles, what do you got? I got the Bengals stink, man. I mean, I I am really surprised by this. And, you know, a big part of it is the fact that Joe Burrow just is not healthy. And we can tell that because the way he usually moves in the pocket is just not the way he can move right now. And it's he's not a threat to run because his calf is bothering him. But still, they've only scored three points in a game twice through four games, man. I mean, the only game that they were really, really super competitive was against the Ravens in the second half. And then they beat the Rams because the defense was great in that game and just absolutely knocked Matthew Stafford off of his spot and they couldn't get anything going to Rams offensively enough. So that's the thing that really is surprising to me. And you look at the Bengals' schedule, it's not getting much easier. They go to Arizona and play them this week. Then they have the Seattle Seahawks before the bye. This could get ugly really quickly for the Bengals, and they're in a really, really tough division in the AFC North. I, uh, you know, I struggled with whether I should be positive or negative with these. I've gone back and forth. And Bengals stink is literally what I typed in to the list that I that I hurriedly put together when I realized that was today's draft. Bengals stink, literally. <laughs> let, let me be positive. Let me be positive out of the gates. Okay. C.J. Stroud. C.J. Yeah. Stroud and the Texans. Because they were the one team that we could, with some degree of confidence, look to in the AFC and say they've got no chance. Everybody else is in the pool. They've got no chance. Raiders probably... Have no chance. Sims has been bullish on the Raiders. I haven't been. And the Raiders have been exactly what I thought they were going to be. But the Texans, not what I thought they were going to be. The Texans have been very good, led by C.J. Stroud, who is already showing signs of franchise quarterback. Not just, oh, this kid passes the eyeball test. He looks like he belongs. No, 
it's more than he looks like he belongs in the NFL. He looks like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL already. And every time I think of what he's doing, I think, man, whoever was trying to spread all that crap about him before the draft to get him to fall knew what they were doing. Because that's what mm-hmm. was happening. Oh, he, oh, that whatever that test was, the T2 or the S2, S2 or whatever, the yeah. BS2, the, the SUX6000, whatever it was. It, it, uh, that they got to go back and take another look at that test because this guy is the real deal. Now, the challenge going forward, there's enough film out there where defenses start to figure out what he's doing, start to crack the code a little bit, take away what he does well. Can he pivot to something else? But so far, not just so good, so far, so great, Miles. Yeah, absolutely. I give a lot of credit to D'Amico Ryans and, and Bobby Slowick, their offensive coordinator, for putting him in positions to succeed. And it's really, really paying off so far. Because the Texans and C.J. Stroud were definitely on my list, too. But I'm going to go with another team and the other conference in the in the South, and that's the Buccaneers, man. I, I'm surprised that they are 3-1, and one, and I'm surprised that they've looked so good. You know, Baker Mayfield's playing well. We mentioned him earlier on in the show, but he's eighth in passer rating right now. Passer rating's over 100. He's complete passes at a 70% rate. I mean, this is good stuff. Now, we'll see what happens with Mike Evans. We'll see if they can keep it up. But so far, I am surprised that the Buccaneers are 3-1 and one and that they're playing as well as they are. Yeah, that is a very pleasant surprise, and nobody really knew what to make of the NFC South. It seemed wide open. Any of the teams could have won it. Any of the teams could have finished in fourth place. And so far, it's shaking out as Bucks the best, Panthers the worst, and then you've got a couple of teams in the middle. Who knows what the Falcons and Saints are going to do. All right. Uh, I was positive with the last one. I thought about Devin Achan, who's averaging 11.4 yards per carry, which is just crazy uh, for the Dolphins. I'm just going to go with the Giants' regression. I'm surprised by that because I I thought last year wasn't flash in the pan. Everything lined up just right. Won a few games they should have lost stumble their way into the playoffs, beat the Vikings in their horrendous defense. They just feel like they've completely lost their way. And when you you have no blocking whatsoever, it is hard for Daniel Jones to justify his $40 million per year contract. But it feels like the bottom has just immediately fallen out for the Giants and they're back to where they were before last year. It's like last year didn't even happen. They're back right. to being that hapless, dysfunctional team they had been since winning Super Bowl 46. There's no hope. There's no promise. There's no upside. And there's no end in sight. 64 to 3, Miles, they've been outscored at home in two games this year. 64 to 3. It just feels like it's bad and it's only going to get worse for the New York football Giants. All right, Miles, we're going to take a break and we're going to say farewell to you for the day. You can go back to bed. You can do whatever you want to do at 5.30 a.m. Pacific time, because when we return, I'm going to be joined by good friend, at least from my perspective, mentor, definitely from my perspective, Dan Patrick. We'll have Dan next on the program right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome back to PFT Live. Our next guest needs no introduction, so he will get none. <laughs> other than to say this, other than to say this, broadcasting icon, Hall of Famer in every respect, great friend, and and there's a short list of people who are responsible for whatever my career has become, and you are on that short list because you entrusted me with the wheel and the pedals and the stick shift to your show back in 2010 when I had no business doing it, and through just flat-out repetition and determination, I figured out, I think, maybe, how to do this thing. So, Dan Patrick, a big part of my career, and happy to have you here with us today before we hand the baton to you, as we always do at 9 a.m. Eastern. Well, your preparation has changed, I'm going to guess, because I think you brought in a couple of notebooks full of stats and information and and, uh, you know, my guys were like, whoa, like you're studying, you know, for the uh, the bar. And uh, but look, you understood it. You got it. And uh, I'm happy for your success. Dan, it's funny. I had no idea what I was doing. I, I don't know if I ever told you the story. <laughs> July of 2010, driving in my car, get a phone call from and I can't remember who it was. Somebody who whoever it was, it used to call me up to ask me to come on the show. Yeah. 13 years ago. And so they call me up and they say, oh, you know, Dan's off next week. Uh, are you willing to come on the show? And I thought it was along the lines of, hey, are you willing to do the show with the guest host? Like, yeah, whoever it is. Yeah, it's fine. I'll, I'll do the show. And and it like became an Abbott and Costello bit where I finally realized they were saying, no, you're going to host the show. It's like, I, no, 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 I'm not doing the show. No, 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 no. You got the wrong guy. So I decided yeah. to do it and it all worked out. But yeah, I remember the first time I came to Milford, I kept sending Polly emails with, stuff to print out and yeah i i don't i've just you know i i i was grossly overprepared and now as the producers of this show can attest i am grossly <laughs> underprepared so <laughs> there there's a happy balance in there sometimes you can be so prepared and you know you stumble upon topics like today uh you know a topic that we have is bill belichick like you know can you ask a question to Bill Belichick at his press conference today that may have something to do or insight into his future? Um, is he enjoying what he's doing? You know, they're not going to make the playoffs again this year. Could he be on the hot seat? You know, it, is it disrespectful to bring up something like that? Whereas Matt Eberflus, you could bring that up to him. Uh, in fact, you could bring it up to most coaches, but you can't do that to Bill Belichick, can you? Well, 
And there's a reason why they won't do it. And this is one of the problems with press conferences, Dan. You've got 20 different people in the room or however many are there. But if there's a tough question to be asked, it's so easy to just say, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let him ask that one. I'm not touching that one. And then it never gets asked. But I know from talking to Tom Curran, who's been on your show many times, that, and I think guest hosted in the past, I think one of the concerns among the folks who cover the Patriots is if there's that one question that you ask Belichick that he doesn't like, you get nothing out of him the rest of the press. It just, it's done. It's over. He gives you nothing after that. So th- there really is a balance there. And it becomes a little personality cultish over time where you have to be careful. And if you piss him off enough, you get frozen out. It's, it's a dance that you have to do. So they're fair questions, but I don't think anybody's going to ask him those questions today or, or really any time. How important do you think it is for Robert Kraft, for Bill Belichick to break Don Shula's record while being a New England Patriot head coach? Oh, Dan, I'm glad you raised that point because back in Arizona in late March when they had the league meetings and everybody's relaxed and they're available to reporters and they say things that maybe they wouldn't otherwise say, Robert Kraft was asked that question. Will Bill Belichick, and I'm paraphrasing, we've got the post at PFT with the exact question and the exact answer. But the question was, is basically Bill here until he passes Don Shula? Is he, does he have a blank check to stay until then? And the question was phrased that way, and the answer wasn't, hell yes, he does. Or he can stay here as long as he wants. He's got six Super Bowls. It was very, very measured, and it was noncommittal, and it was it's important to me that we win and that we get to the playoffs. I want all of our players and coaches to have stats, but what's important to me is to win and to get to the playoffs. And I saw that as a subtle but unmistakable warning that this isn't some lifetime arrangement. There will be a point where those six Super Bowl wins don't matter. And we may be there now. Losing 38-3 to to the Cowboys, and there's a rivalry between Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft, not surprisingly. You get embarrassed like that as part of a season where it's all going down the tubes after last year with that disaster that they had with the offensive coordinator Frankenstein monster of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I really do think he's on the hot seat, and I do think it could be his last year, and we'll have a mutual parting press conference at some point after the last game of the regular season. Yeah, there has to be something there brewing because you're going to miss the playoffs. There's no reason to think they're going to make the playoffs next year because the division is very, very competitive. But I'm just wondering, you know, Tom Landry got shipped out because you had a new owner. You had Jerry coming in. You don't have a new owner coming into the Patriots. And if you did, then I think you could see a change. I think you're right. But we've never seen this before. That's the problem. The closest we can come to, I mean, Don Shula wasn't as great for, you know, 15, 20 years after they won Super Bowls, but he had Dan Marino. They were still competitive. They didn't fall off the map. The Steelers with Art, uh, with, with Chuck Knoll after they won their four Super Bowls, you know, through the 80s, it, it wasn't great and it kind of bottomed out and they finally kind of just gently nudged him into retirement. But to have six Super Bowl wins, and we're just five years removed from the last Super Bowl victory. To have it feel like it's just rotten to this point where they've got to do something, no owners had to deal with this. But I just, I, the New England fans aren't going to tolerate it. At some point, you've got to turn the page. 
I'm sure Robert Kraft would rather Bill Belichick come to the conclusion on his own than have to be pushed. But those comments from from March, it would have been very easy for him to say, this guy's this guy this guy's going to be the coach as long as I'm here. This guy's the coach as long as he wants to be here. This guy's going to be here to pass. He could have said any of those things. He said none of them. He made it clear the priority is winning. And then in June, he was at something with Michael Rubin from Fanatics, and the issue came up of what would satisfy Robert Kraft this year. He's only going to be satisfied by number seven, as in number seven Super Bowl win, not seven wins. He's not going to get seven wins this year, <laughs> the way things are going. Yeah. Uh, can I get a, a plug-in for the uh, book that I yeah. co-wrote? Yeah. Did you get a copy of the book? Well, I was. I have not gotten a copy of the book yet. Oh, I have not. Mike. I'm so sorry. I'm so. I'm it's embarrassed. Fine. I'm embarrassed because I did ask it's you fine. to give me a blurb for it. It's it's the occasionally accurate annals of football, the NFL's greatest players' plays, scandals, screw ups, and stuff that we totally made up. Um, and you were kind enough to say some nice things about it. Um, Will Farrell, uh, Adam Sandler, some of the other guys uh, helped contribute to this, and we discussed quite a few things. We fixed the Jets. We fixed penalties. Uh, we talk about uh, what you bring to a tailgate. You should and shouldn't. The uh, butt fumble, the immaculate receptions presented as a sermon. So we have quite a few things that are involved in this. We have some writers who uh, write for The Simpsons, Saturday Night Live, uh, The New Yorker. So I got some people to do some lifting for me. But uh, thank you for your inspiration with Playmakers that I was able to do something that was a little more lighthearted. So after reading yours, I'm like, that's way too serious for me. Well, you got the right idea, though. If you can find other people to help write it, it <laughs> becomes a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I so, just said. So, we're, we're... yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, you, you know, the co- co- no, I, I'll go ahead. The co-writer is Joel Cohen. He <laughs> writes for The Simpsons. And it, and he um, had these ideas. He, he was writing an episode of The Simpsons. And he said, I want you to be an announcer for Homer in a rock skipping competition. And I said, uh, sure, I'll do that. And then he started bringing up these things, you know, the butt fumble, uh, you know, like five different things. And he goes, you know, I, got, I need an audience here to talk to about this. And then I, I so it was like a tennis match. I batted some things back to him. And then all of a sudden we said, do you want to do a book together? And I'm like, OK. And he goes, I got some friends who want to help. And then uh, that was basically it. He went to his lab. I went to my lab. And then we just threw it all together and. Uh, it's, it's been fun, but as you know, I mean, it's, it's a process that you, you want to make sure you get everything right. Even though we're having fun with a lot of topics, you still have football fans who go, uh, you, you misspelled wizard white. Don't you know how to spell wizard? Like, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't do the printing here, but you get people who go, you know, you screwed up with something back in 1896. And how do you balance the lighthearted approach with whatever truths because i'm sure at some point there are messages you want to come through there are opinions that you feel strongly about how do you strike that balance well i think we always err to the side of humor let's have fun with it while it's almost like um you know when you put uh, bacon on brussels sprouts all of a sudden they taste better so what we tried to do is there's information (laughs) hardcore information in there but we kind of dress it up a little bit with with fun. So you are learning something. It's just not thrown at you like, you know, it's nuts and bolts, hardcore football. 
What's been the biggest change in the NFL that you've noticed during your time in broadcasting? Just how it's metastasized. Like it's, it's when I did Sports Center, and they started to re-air Sports Center in, in in the morning, and I kept thinking people are going to get tired of Sports Center. Like nobody's going to watch in the morning, late at night, and then we realized that you know we we couldn't give them enough Sports Center. And the NFL, you know, is modeled after that as well. They, they're, they're trying to find out where is that, where they going to, you know, I'll, I'll take it up to the edge here. Nope, we're going to go past that. You know, let's go to Europe. Hey, Taylor Swift's at a game. Hey, let's have uh, this person at halftime. They keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and we keep consuming. And I think that's the surprising part. When I first started, baseball was the sport. Uh College football might have been bigger. Boxing was big. Uh, horse racing. And then all of a sudden, the NFL turned the corner. The NBA with Jordan and Bird and Magic, that started to explode. Uh, baseball got hurt with steroids in the fallout. But football, um, it just doesn't seem like anything can stop it. And uh, that, that, to me, has probably been the most amazing aspect of the last you know, 40 years of my career. The first word that came out of your mouth, mouth though, metastasize, because with this legalized gambling, oh, I know they need to worry. They need to worry about a lot of things. The patient may have stage one right now, and the patient doesn't care. The patient is making as much money as the patient can make, and. There may be issues, there may be problems, there may be glitches, there may be mishandling of inside information. There are so many different things that the NFL should be worried about. And I don't get the impression they are, Dan. They're in that machine that's got dollars flying in the air, and they're just stuffing as many as they can in their pocket while the dollars are still flying. And I thought about this, and probably I was in the minority, but when Patrick Mahomes slides and doesn't score, let's say you've got a half million dollars on that game. $100,000. Like, I just worry about players being blamed for somebody losing a big bet or they're making all the money. Why aren't we getting a piece of this? If you're a referee, like everybody has a price and that's, I do worry about that. And I remember when the commissioner said, Oh, we're not going to be in business. We're not going to be in the gambling business. And I thought you will be when you find out what your share is, just like all these other commissioners, everybody has a price. And that goes along with the players, the owners, the referees, you know, um, and, and that's what concerns me. I think if there is something that brings the NFL down or at least knocks it off its you know, lofty perch, it, it will be gambling related. Yeah, look, all it takes is one massive scandal, and it feels like the seeds are planted for something to happen at some point. And it comes from that inherent hypocrisy where the NFL is. Mm-hmm is grabbing every last penny it can, but it's got its rules, can't do this, can't do this, do as we say, not as we do, and you're going to have people out there who maybe justify things that aren't within the rules, but but hey, I want mine. You're getting yours, I want mine. And you're right, that, that slide the other night, tens of millions of dollars changed hands with that one decision. Smart decision from a football standpoint, sure. but... Yeah. Tell that tell that to tell that to had somebody who had the Chiefs given the points. I don't gamble anymore. I did. I was a hardcore gambler. 
And I gambled when I didn't have money to gamble, which, you know, is even more of a gamble. You know, when the, the bookie, you have to go see the bookie every, you know, every Tuesday after the Monday night game. And, you know, you're handing over money. Or the um, and, and the guy that I was betting with used to take bets from Pete Rose. And so I was well aware of what Pete was doing while I was gambling. And I'm in college, just out of college. And I finally quit. You know, I did lose a bet. You'll love this. Bears, Packers. All Chester Markle has to do is kick a field goal, Mike. That's it. He kicks a field goal. I win my bet. The Bears block the field goal attempt. Chester Markle picks up the ball and runs it in for a touchdown. And at, that was the bur- worst beat that I ever had. Oh, wow. Well, my dad was the bookie. Not yes. your bookie. Not your bookie. <laughs> Not yours. And, and Mike, it's funny, I laughed when you said you go see the bookie on Tuesday. If you don't get, go see the bookie on Tuesday, the bookie comes to see you on Tuesday night, or at least his people do. Mike, I still can tell you the number, the phone number of my bookie, and I haven't bet in over 30 years. But I can tell wow. you his number. He was, he was, uh, there was one guy in Pittsburgh, one guy in Cincinnati. But I can tell you what Tony's, and Tony died at his kitchen table on Sunday morning. My bookie. So I, you know, I mean, I'm like calling and he's not answering. I'm like, God, I can't get my bets in. The next thing I know, his son said, Hey, uh, my dad died. I go, Okay. Do you know anybody else I can get my bets in with? You know, that's how degenerate I was back then. Well, and you know what? I've never gambled because one of the things I learned from my dad, watching him as the bookie growing up, you can't win. Over the long haul, you can't win. You think you can? But you can't. You think you got a system, and you have one until you don't. So uh, it's much easier to make money this way. We're stealing money. We're just not gambling money. We get to talk <laughs> about sports, and we get yeah. to not really work, and we get to yeah. write books and have other people write them for us, which is the next level. You're always one level ahead of me. Damn it. My next book is going to be written not by me. Yeah. <laughs> Give us one more. Tell us where we can get Give us one more plug uh, on the way out, the name of the book and where we can get it. All right. The book that I didn't send to Mike, The Occasionally Accurate Annals of Football, The NFL's Greatest Players Play Scandal, Screw-Ups, plus stuff we totally made up. The forward is by Adam Sandler, who is a diehard Jets fan, and uh, he didn't know what a forward was, but I said, he goes, uh, goes, the only (laughs) forward I know, Danny, is basketball. I go, no, you write it, it comes before the book starts. And he said, can I trash the Patriots? And I said, yes, you can. Whatever you want to do. He goes, I hate the Patriots, Danny. They ruined my life. Uh, so Sandman wrote some stuff. Uh, and once again, Joel Cohen from The Simpsons, very, very bright guy. So uh, available at all bookstores there. And thank you, Mike. Hey, before I let you go, speaking of the Jets, do you okay. really think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers again this year? Do you really think yes. we're going to see him? Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Regular season yeah. or postseason? Regular season? Well, I don't know if there'll be a postseason, but I think he would want to come to the rescue for the regular season to maybe get into the postseason. But I also think he would like to say, I did this my way with my doctors, and I got back sooner. I think that's really important to him. I know, of course, he wants to play, but I think it's important. I think it's important uh, for him to do it his way. (laughs) 
My good friend Aaron Rodgers. I really do like him now. I really hard knocks made me like him. I was manipulated successfully. I like Aaron Rodgers. All right, Dan. Uh, thanks for everything you've done for me. Good luck with the book. I'll look forward to my copy that I have yet to receive. Yes. And uh, we'll we'll watch and listen coming up at nine o'clock Eastern on Peacock and Sirius XM eighty five. Thanks, pal. Thanks, buddy. All right, there he is, Dan Patrick. Let's take a quick break. When we return, it's just going to be me talking about. I don't know, whatever I think of, because unlike the old days when I was hosting for Dan Patrick, I am completely unprepared. I got a break to figure it out, and I shall. More PFT Live right after this. Well, it's just me for the last two minutes of the program, and I'm going to talk about something I've yet to discuss on this show. And for good reason. Pat McAfee got sued for talking about Brett Favre on his show. Now... I will be very careful about what I say. I've written many items at PFT about the Brett Favre civil litigation. He denies all allegations of any type of welfare fraud or welfare misappropriation or any wrongdoing whatsoever. Anything that he could ever be accused of doing wrong, he denies. Let's be clear on that. But he's going to go under oath later this month. This was a report yesterday from A.J. Perez of FrontOfficeSports.com. When you are sued... At some point, you are questioned under oath by the lawyer representing the party that is suing you. Brett Favre will be grilled under oath about what he knew, what he did, text messages, emails, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. His lawyers have already said he's not going to invoke the Fifth Amendment. Now, when you take the Fifth in a criminal setting, it's smart if that's your only way out. In a civil setting, you lose. Because it's not inadmissible at court if the person who's accused of wrongdoing refuses to answer the questions because they're concerned about possibly being prosecuted later. So this is a dangerous ground for Brett Favre. And the most dangerous part of it is this. If he feels like he needs to get into swordplay with the lawyers and try to win the case in the deposition, he may say some things that aren't accurate. And when you say things that aren't accurate and you're under oath, Maybe you weren't going to be prosecuted for the welfare side of it, but you potentially gift wrap for prosecutors a perjury case. That's the risk for Brett Favre when he goes under oath. We'll have plenty of coverage of that case as it continues to unfold at PFT. Chris Sims will be back tomorrow. Thanks to Miles Simmons. Thanks to Dan Patrick. Thanks to you, as always, for some of your time. We'll see you Thursday morning for PFT. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.